This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. is Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome to another special episode of the Sky Blues Extra podcast with me, David Moore, Tom Ward and a very special guest, Richard Overson. Richard, thank you for joining us to share your Sky Blues story tonight. No, no, more than welcome, more than welcome. Looking forward to it. Some Sky Blues fans may have only recently heard of you as a sort of local businessman that kindly donated funds to improve the training facilities at Coventry City. I'm sure we'll come on to that a little bit later on, but I wanted to start off with your how your sort of love affair with Coventry City started, Rich. Tell us about some of your early Coventry City memories growing up and, and maybe your first game. Yeah, I um, was born in 1967 and um, was born in Coventry. So that was sort of part of the uh, thing, really. Born in Coventry, you must support the team, wasn't you? So um, my dad took me to my first game when I was 10 years old. So um, that was against um, West Ham, and we won 1-0. So from then on, I sort of had a love affair with Coventry and uh, carried on. But the first game with Mick Coop uh, missed his first penalty for four years. So Ian Wallace scored to, to, to win the game 1-0. Uh, that was a great season as well, because we, um, we played Norwich in the um, December and beat them 5-4, and there were some great games. And that season, we were actually gone to Europe, but um, Ipswich beat um, Arsenal in the um, FA Cup final. So, um, and it was great then. I mean, you had some great players coming through. Jim Blythe in goal. You had Blair. You had um, Haightley playing. Uh, Wallace Ferguson. So, it was a great era, really, of playing and, and watching watching the team uh, go through. And we had four or five years, great years. So, it was good. Yeah, and I think um, we've been quite blessed recently. To, they've been playing some of the classic games on YouTube, haven't they, every Saturday to sort of keep everyone entertained. Um, I think one of my favourites they showed the other day was the uh, the Arsenal game, which is probably probably about 20 years ago now. Um, yeah. And I think 
something that a lot of people have been saying on Twitter and and a few of my mates that it really reminded everyone how good Highfield Road was um, and how special the atmosphere was there. Um, so just wondered if there are any sort of games or any sort of particular memories you have from from those days. Well, I think the the, the, the game that stands out was still one of my top games was the um, West Ham 1980 in the semi-final of the League Cup. Um where we played at Highfield Road and the first half was terrible. And then the second half he came back, Gary Thompson played. And I was, I was you know, 12 or 13. I was there with my dad, actually, and my dad died the year after. So I just remember that game at Highfield Road where it was packed. And unfortunately, we went away and um, we lost 2-0. Jimmy Neighbour scored. So that, that really does stick out in my memory as one of the best ever games at Highfield Road. And... Um, you know, it was fantastic. The team was great. And um, we actually, four days later, we played away at Tottenham in the uh, fifth round and, and got knocked out. So it was a bit of a, for I was 13 or 14, it was a harrowing four or five days that was. Uh, but no, no, Highfield Road was some um, fantastic games. And then you've got the, the, the Gordon Strachan and Atkinson era when they came as well. Uh, and the other game actually was when we played uh, Norwich. I think that was uh, 84, and we um, we won to stay up. And uh, Mick Ferguson was playing for us on loan from Birmingham, and he scored uh, to send Birmingham down. And, and Robert Rosario hit the bar for Norwich in the last minute. So nice. uh, they were they were they're all games that were sort of keeping us up as well, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah. we we recently had Terry Gibson on actually yeah. uh, and he spoke really fondly of of those three games that we had three games and was it yeah. was it uh, maybe I'm getting mixed up with the Everton one actually where it was it was season was delayed yeah that's right which was an odd one one was Stoke Everton uh come on to actually but yeah yeah that that was um when uh, Bobby Gould came wasn't it two or three yes. season um and Stoke Stoke away it was Stoke away um so so no, no, some, some, some great games there at Highfield Road. Yeah, they really were. Great, great memories. Where, uh, whereabouts did you used to sit, Rich? We were in the uh, main stand, in the main stand, just uh, on the halfway line. Um, and had a couple of in the west stand as well. But I, I, I ended up in the main stand. So yeah. I, I started in the west terrace and then ended up in the, in the main stand. Yeah, but, it's funny... Uh, yeah, like chatting to people, like a lot of people seem to have like moved around a bit around Highfield Road to different yeah. places. And yeah, I think like younger, you were younger. I used to run up, I used to get a train across to Coventry. I was in rugby then, and then run up from the uh, station to the ground. But um, some great memories and some some great players, weren't they? You know, as, as we got through. I mean, I, I was thinking today actually. Um, you know, we had um, Jerry Francis, you know, captain of England, Terry Yorath, captain of Wales, and, and um, Jerry Dale, who played for a club of Ireland. You know, three great midfielders, really. And um, we attracted the players as well. So it was a, a great, great time. What do you think made Highfield Road so special? I mean, it held the noise in, but uh, it was it, it was a really special ground, wasn't it? I think you were all so close. I think as, 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 as fans, you sort of... I mean, you know, where we were in the main stand, there was probably 20 of us, you know, and it was just like every, every game you went to. It was like going with your friends, wasn't it? And everyone got on, and it was just part of the community, wasn't it? I think that's and um, you know that's what Coventry City are about, really. It's, it's a community club, and I think Highfield Road really did um, bring that to you, didn't it? We you know, bring in, as I said, my dad took me to my first game. He did his job, 
Um, I've got three boys and I've took them to their Coventry City fans. And I think, you know, um, it was it was just a fantastic stadium, really. I think it was because it's so close to the city centre. You could walk up there. Um, it, it was it was it was it was great. Those old grounds that are, are sort of set within the houses. I mean, they're pretty much in people's back gardens, wasn't it? Mm. With West Terrace. So I think that always helps, doesn't it, in terms of yeah. the atmosphere and people always sort of walking up those narrow streets. Whereas obviously yeah. a lot of the grounds now are, are sort of out of town and, and, and yeah. obviously for and, good reason. But no, yeah, yeah, and they're, they're, they've lost that community, haven't they? And, and people being able to say at say one o'clock, oh, I just fancy going to a game and be able to walk there. You know, yeah, you that's so true. Yeah. yeah, it's like when we go to grounds like Pompey, I remember earlier this season we were at Pompey and we were sort of laughing a bit about sort of how old it is and, you know, how in the houses it is. But when we're being honest, we are kind of, we do miss that really. Like oh, that is, yeah. it's not, it is nice to see those old grounds and like you say, you know, people can just pop out of the house and they're straight into the ground. That Yeah, we don't, we don't see that as much anymore. I mean, we went to Fleetwood, Fleetwood have got the, the working men's club, haven't they, in the corner of the ground? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a funny old place, isn't it, Fleetwood? Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, tiny, tiny little place. Good place, yeah, it's good. That's good. No, I feel broke. It's some great memories, some great memories. And we've all got memories, haven't we? We've yeah. all got our yeah, exactly. stories, you know, family-related or some great games and some great players, wasn't it? You know, and I think when Ron Axon, at Ron Axon came and McAllister came out, I remember seeing Gary McAllister playing for us. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Talking of memories, um, Rich, so 1987 was obviously a huge year for the Sky Blues. They won the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, what do you remember from, from the day? Um, I actually, the quarter five, I went to every single game. You know, we went through Stoke away, Mickey Jin scoring, um, and then the Sheffield Wednesday uh, quarter final. And I think, you know, I always remember that because we were in the, you know, unfortunately the, the year after, I think the year after Liverpool, but we were in that same end. And I remember coming home to my mum, actually. And, you know, I was, I think when we scored, I moved about 30 yards, you know. Yeah. Proud and just so crushed as well. And I remember picking some lad up on my shoulders and it was, um, you know, that sort of was scary, actually. But, you know, uh, going back to football, it, it was a great performance. But the the, the, the semi-final was, was the game, really, because it got us there. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. we'd, never, we'd never been to a cup final and we we're on the the cop at Sheffield Wednesday. I think it holds thirty thousand people, you know, or whatever it was. It's the biggest cop, isn't it, or one of the biggest cops? Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, you know, we we I think we went to Sheffield for the for the weekend, and you know, I think just the, the, the beating Leeds in the extra time, and that was on, wasn't it? Last week was it? Last week or the week before? And yeah, um, just a fantastic feeling to actually say you you got there. I think actually when we got to the cup final, it was very much a celebration and. I don't think anyone thought we could win, apart from us. And um, you know, I went down the night before, and um, no, it was it was, a, it was a great, great celebration. Really, um, I mean, I mentioned my dad quite a lot, but you know, my biggest disappointment was my dad had died four years before, and he couldn't be there with me. Not um, being able to share it, yeah. Yeah, I think he was up in the sky with me, and we won, didn't we? So it was, um, it was fantastic. It was fantastic to see your home club um, win at win at Wembley, and. Um, you know, I'll jump on a few years now, but you know, I never thought that'd arrive again. Going to checker trade uh, with my boys was 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 emotional, really, because because of the cup final, being able to share with my boys, you know, the, the checker trade. So, but um, it was a great day, and I remember coming back up from um, from Wembley, 
and um, all the bridges, you know, should come up into by Watford Gap there. And um, there was people on the bridges, you know, with sky blue scarves and um, no, and the flags, of, banners, flags, and... flags, and it was um, no, it was it was it was great. Really, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's interesting what you say. Actually, my my parents have said the same about about that that Leeds game that kind of the the celebrations after that were sort of almost bigger in a way because it was kind of like get, getting to Wembley especially yeah. back then when the FA Cup final was just oh. the biggest thing you know in the world um it was just getting there wasn't it and and then yeah. the day out I imagine I wasn't born then but I imagine the day out was was so special and then to win it as well I mean yeah. unbelievable and the way we won you know we beat Leeds in the semi-final you know and they had some great players yeah big teams um, yeah um, you know, massive. But I think I think what Curtis and Sillick gave us was was some camaraderie, didn't they? They built a, a great team spirit. You know, Bobby Gould has probably bought the majority of the players, but I think Sillick and Curtis built the team spirit. Yeah, they really gelled the the team together, yeah. didn't they? They went through a few seasons where they were really sort of struggling, even with many of those players. Yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah. it seemed like a sort of relegation scrap, wasn't it? In the years yeah. prior, every sort of season it, it was. But actually, you're right. Um, you know, Sillett and Curtis did really bond that team and, and yeah. they sort of made them unbeatable, really. I mean, Bobby Gould, I think, I don't know, bought probably the majority of them. But I think um, in probably two seasons before was where we had to win the last three games to stop up. And yeah. Those two came in. I think they, they let Cyril play. They gave him, uh, took him off the leash, really. And um, they did, really did build in that um, team spirit. You could see that. They were, they were playing for one another, you know, to beat Man United away in the fourth round, whatever it was. So it was, it was a fantastic, fantastic time. Yeah. And yeah, and I mean, I'm sure it's similar with you, with your lads, but I've, you know, my parents have told me all the stories and I almost feel like I was there because I've heard so much yeah, about it. Yeah. And then obviously there's been quite a big gap and then, you know, they've, for years they were saying, oh, you know, we really want you to see us play at Wembley. Yeah. And then obviously the Czech trade comes around, which quite quite recently actually been talked about a lot with the, obviously it was like um, yeah. a couple of years since um, a few weeks ago. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people saying that it was such a big game in our history, um, yes. you know, where the club was at at that time. So just, you know, wondered how you felt that compared in terms of, you know, you've obviously done Wembley in 87 and then Wembley for the Czech trade how they kind of compared and, and how special the different days were? Emotionally, I mean, people say that, you know, the Czech trade was, you know, it's a non-event cup really, but to me, it doesn't really matter. You're seeing your team play at Wembley, sorry, and there was, you know, 40-odd thousand fans, wasn't there? So there's more fans of that game than there were for the cup final. You know, and I think the, the emotion of, like you've just said there, you know, there's a lot of Coventry City fans that have, have waited for that moment to take their, take their sons or daughters or family members really and I mm. think you know if you look at the photos or anything there was so the families went didn't they there were families of groups of people yeah. three or four you know ranging from granddad's father's son's grandson it was just fantastic to watch really so yeah. uh, you know the feeling of, 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 of seeing them of seeing them win at Wembley you know you, you can't beat that so yeah um, and I think I think probably emotionally you probably enjoyed it more because in 87, you thought, oh, this might happen again. But <laughs> we've waited so long for it to happen. When it came in the checker trade, oh, you did make sure you enjoyed it and celebrated. Yeah. And I think, like you said, the, the competition didn't really matter, did it? Because it was a season where we'd done so badly that, you know, well, we Oxford had this... Beat, if you remember, Oxford had beaten 3-0 in 
um, away. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. November, December, when Mark Venice was. Yeah, was I remember that. That was awful you know, that day. So you know, Robbins came in, and um, you thought, oh, um, you know, and he, he turned it around, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I think that was a that was a big day out. I think that that sort of turned things around a lot. Cause I think it just made everyone realise like how big a club we are. And yeah. I, I'm still convinced to this day that even perhaps you know the people upstairs and Sisu and that might have even looked at that and thought, Do you know what, this this club has got a big fan base, and maybe if yeah. we can start putting a little bit of money in and, and get it back to where it should be, well, you know, the potential well, is well, there. Really, I know we're talking about, but even just communicating, you know, if you if you look at since then, I think the communication. You know, I'm not saying it's perfect, but it has improved as well. So the whole of the club from that day, from from the top to the bottom, I think it's improved. Yeah, so, I'd agree. With you. Yeah, yeah. Game, I think. I think. But check the trade. You know, we played crew, didn't we, as well? In in when we lost to them in the semi final, I think um, that was also an opportunity. And do you think that these the, the sort of two finals where they did get to take the playoff final and of course the checker trade? Do you think that's helped build the sort of future fan base of of children? Where you said that when you grew up in Coventry, people always support Coventry, but going through the years of of, of now sort of Man Cities and the Tottenham's and previously Manchester United, you used to see a lot of other replica shirts around the city centre on a Saturday that that weren't Coventry. But do you think those games have helped with building that future fan base? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think I think you've got, you know, um, as as you know, fathers with sons um, to take them to a game of football. Now, you know, it's well documented. We're not we're not playing in Coventry. We're, we're at Birmingham. Um, of course. But I, th- I think I think that that did. I think that did um, uh, sort of consolidate our fan base. With as I said to you, there was family, there was granddads, dads, and yeah, and, and, and grandchildren or sons going to those games. So I think it has. I think it has. You know, and also I think what's happened the last, you know, the last couple of years has been fantastic. I mean, my lad, um, one of my lads is, is twelve. You know, and his first season was the Mowbray season, so he's not really seen us in dire straits. You know, the Mowbray yeah. season. You know, and then even when we got relegated, we won the Checker Trade Cup. You know, and then we had promotion. So, you know, over the last four or five years, he's had he's had some great seasons. Uh, whereas my other two lads who are sort of twenty one and twenty two. Um, have had to wait, <laughs> have to wait for years and years and years. Um, so, um, but no, I, I think the, it has it has helped with the younger fan base. And you touched on the the fact that obviously the club aren't playing in in Coventry at the moment, and that's a, a whole a whole another story for for another day. But I've been I've been actually at the moment reading the the book by uh, Simon. Who who wrote yeah. about the club without a home, which it was yeah. a really you know really good good read because it plots out a lot of different time time and events that that went on through you know after us leaving Highfield Road uh, and one of them there was a potential sort of takeover of the club and I'm not you know it didn't actually go ahead in the end and I, I think that might have been something that you sort of were maybe involved in or there was a part time when you were looking to um, perhaps become more involved in the club yeah so I um, I. Um, about four or five years ago, uh, was lucky enough to um, sell. Wasn't my business. I was part of the business, uh, even though it's been um, sort of my business. So yeah, yeah, sold part of my business. So that allowed me to free some time up. So at the time, um, I think there's Gary Hoffman and Joe Elliott who were heading up a consortium. So I sort of reached out to them really because um, 
I was more interested in thinking, well, if the club's going to be sold, um, you know, and I'm just a Coventry City fan. So, you know. Yeah, just, of course. I, yeah. I can help them, really. So that was a case of reaching out to Joe and, and Gary just to see what the consortium was, was doing and uh, met up with them two or three times. And, you know, they said they were, they were trying to um, put something together and speak to Sisu. Um, so I said, okay, fine, you know, um, I'll, I'll join the consortium. Yeah, interested to hear kind of how, how that went really. Um, and then obviously there's been some some more sort of recent activity and kind of um, supporting with the training ground, which obviously yeah. is, you know, yeah. massively appreciated by all the fans and, um, you know, probably a club that hasn't always had, you know, a lot of investment in it. Um, just interested in kind of how, how that sort of came about and I guess yeah. how you've just been able to, to kind of get involved and, and help the club where it's been needed. Yeah, so, I mean, the consort- go back to consortium. So, yeah, I was part of the consortium. Um, and that was, I probably realised that, that, that um, CISA weren't interested in selling. Um, so I also then got to know Tynan at Coventry anyway through where I sat. And then the academy, we asked some sponsorship. Yeah. So um, we did a couple of things there. We bought some, a couple of minibuses um, for the uh, academy. And then we did some sponsorship whereby we got the fans to nominate charities. So I think they sponsored from under eight, or I did sponsor under eights up to 15s, but put different charities on all the shirts. Um, so that was sort of part of the involvement. Um, and then um, I sat down with uh, Mark Robbins and Dave Body, and um, just said, where can I help? And, um, and this is really where I got to know Mark Robbins and, you know, he just said, look, the environment, the playing environment really uh, needs to be updated. Wrighton um, was was in the 1970s held up as one of the best training grounds. Yeah, of course. In, in the country, really. And yeah. going back to the early conversation where you could attract good players. Yeah. You know, um, Skyward Connection and Jimmy Hill. and um, But in the latter years, it had been updated. Um, so, you know, Mark Robbins just went through his, his vision, really. And, you know, part of that was about the environment at, at the training ground. So, you know, I said I'd help with that. So um, we got a new gym up there um, initially to help, you know, obviously, the players. And then um, the different heads of the department, really, um, said they needed help. And one, one of them was the um, massage beds were all ripped. So we got new massage beds. Uh, we helped with technology. So a bit like your Monday night football, you know, with the Neville and Carragher. So we've got yeah. to help them, really. So um, that was part, that's the sort of second phase, really. And then, um, you know, we got it decorated and, and got all the all the weeds out the <laughs> around the building. Um, uh, Personally, football. Rich, or did we? No, no, no. But they're, all, they're all City fans, actually. They're all City fans. Part of the, part of the unofficial Dunchurch Supporters Club. Uh, <laughs> And then um, we looked at, you know, I spoke to Mark again and the um, changing rooms, really. Um, and it's been documented about, you know, there was a, there was a porter cabin. Um, and we said, right, OK, let's look at something. That, that was planned about six months ago, seven months ago. And Bournemouth have it and Wolves. Um, and it's called Module X. So we, we, we could actually, it's built off site and brought in a crane. So uh, that was just installed about, I think, about two weeks before lockdown. So I don't think it's actually been used at the moment. 
<laughs> so it's been kept pretty clean then. It's been pretty pretty clean and and uh, yeah, but um, no no and and you know that that was sitting there with Mark Robbins and you know um, his his vision you know not just on the pitch uh, but w- what he wanted really um, and so yeah yeah it was you know um, I was able to help him. No, it's absolutely fantastic, and and you you know it's a it's a credit to yourself, and like you say, it's nice to be able to help. But it's a really important point you made there about the academy. I think just because the the academy has always been held up in such a high regard, and and actually a lot of the different guests that we've had on on the podcast have spoke spoke of that, and hope that will just help us attract, like you say, different players, but also give those younger academy players just a sort of better environment to to sort of learn their trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if you look at the, the Alan Higgs Centre where they've got, and then they come through, and they've got you know uh, right to the pitches. So no, no, it's a it's a it's a great environment. Um, um, I think you know if you ever go to Wrighton, it's it's a, it's a great facility, really. Yeah, you know, even though really it's not being looked after for for the reasons you can go through, but it's it's still a good it's still a good training ground I mean I think if you talk to majority of the players um, it is one of the best you know around yeah yeah, I mean, I, rem- I remember when the days when we were playing in Northampton and I remember Presley used to say that they always took the players to the training ground because yeah. they'd always be really impressed by it so yeah, yeah. you know yeah. it's clearly you know and they still do they still do yeah still do, even though it's what it is really you know and that's and that is back to the vision of Jimmy Hill in, in the 70s it's still there, really. So, so no, it's good. It's good. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's an extremely important way for the club to obviously in, increase revenues and funds as well. It's, it's no secret that we've had some absolutely fantastic players through through the academy, um, and and that's you know it's a credit to a lot of the back back room staff and and the, the coaches and the players. But obviously, like you say, the investment that you've made now and and hopefully it's even more attractive. That just help that conveyor belt and, and churn a few more players off that sort of conveyor belt. Whether we like it or not. The academy players coming through is part of our part of our um, DNA now. You know, we need that for our income, don't we? You know, and that's any any. Yeah, form, exactly. You know, and, and we've been we've been proven to be very very successful, haven't we? Over the last, you know, certainly after over the last five or six years, you know, with Madison um, coming through, Callum Wilson, you know, Bayless if if he gets the game at Preston, yeah, uh, and there's two or three others that are coming through as well, so. Um, no, I think unfortunately um, that is the way of the world, um, and I think you know we, we've proven that we've got. You know, it's, yeah, there's some great staff there as well. You no, know, Mark Robinson says himself, there's some great staff around him. 
going all the way down. But if you look at, like, you've got Jason Farnden and Luke Tisdale have come through, you know, I think they were coaching at under 12, under 13, under 14. Yeah. And they're now coaching in the first team. And I don't think that's, there's enough said about that, really. That's a, that's a great achievement for them, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. To be, you know, spotted and come through. So a lot of the lads, you know, they, they coached at a very, very young age are now in the under-23s or in the first team. So I think that's that's uh, you know probably a um, unspoken about thing that's happened. Well. Yeah, it's a really good success story, isn't it? And I think we spoke to Gary McSheffrey recently, and he said that it's sort of gone to the days where now you have to be a sort of ex ex pro, and it's nice to see that the clubs bringing a, not just academy players along, but obviously bringing the coaches along and moving yeah. them through the ranks as well. You know, and Andy Vidash is the same, isn't it? You know, if you yeah. look, we're very very successful. But he was coaching young lads, wasn't he? He was coaching young lads, so you know it, it's vital. You know, it's um, no, it's a, it's it's a, you know, it's a good environment to be around. You know, you, you get a good vibe when you walk in to, to the building, or you, or you see in the football, you know, club there. You know, you can see it's, you can see everyone knows their jobs. You know what I mean? He's Mark Robbins. Is, he, he delegates very very well. You know, everyone knows their responsibilities, uh, and he gives them the freedom as well from what I gather anyway so you know and, and you know I go in they're very thankful as well you know for the support I've given them which is fantastic for me so it's, it's good it's good yeah it's good to hear I was just wondering if um, are there any sort of future projects planned or is, is like Mark Robbins sent you a list of things they need or, <laughs> or how does it how does it work <laughs> a wish list <laughs> yeah oh. new, new yeah. striker for next year maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, no. We, yeah, we sit down probably. I've, I, you know, I've got to know Mark quite well actually, and um, you know, and, and and you know what I've always said is, uh, you know, the investment I'm putting in, um, I need to see a return on it. That's not in in, in uh, monetary terms, but just so I can see it. Do you know what I mean? So I can see. Yeah, like progression for the club, right? You know, and I said, you know, yeah. And I might. It's, it's a little thing, but going in and seeing the massage beds where the the rips down the middle of the massage beds. You know, I said right. Get, you got players there, who are, you know, our top strikers. So I said, get new beds in tomorrow, really. So uh, it's ongoing, really. It's ongoing. We've done quite a lot. We've done quite a lot. I think we're looking at the uh, the pitches with uh, making sure that they're uh, up to standard. Um, the current situation hasn't helped, really, because, uh, we, you know, we, we don't know when the pre-season will be, will we? So that's sort of... Yeah, happened. exactly. Um, yeah, we're in some unprecedented times, aren't we? Yeah. Have you... Um, I suppose you... You ever get used to the facilities? Get to use your own masseuse uh, bed, Rich. You ever get a chance to? <laughs> no, 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 no. So no. that's not the return on investment no, you're talking no, about. No, no. <laughs> my, my return on investment is seeing Matty Gordon score score goals. That's my yeah, return. That's what we all want to see. Which I'll tell it. I'll tell him that as well. <laughs> yeah, if he squeezes an extra few goals out of Matty Gordon, then we're all happy, right? No. <laughs> all right. But you did touch on that, and we are obviously in an unprecedented times. But should you know, hopefully, uh, sense prevails, and you know the, the season will either be completed or you know, rightfully, Coventry City will be promoted and, and, and be in the championship. What, where do you see the sort of next five years for the club? And you know, does it is it something that you you've got high hopes that you know for for Coventry City now that on the pitch that you know they're absolutely fantastic this season. The next five years probably looks different now as it was three weeks ago or four weeks ago. And yeah. you could argue that, you know, is our is our model the future model? You know, where clubs um, share grounds. The current climate 
you know, are we saving money because we're not paying Birmingham for the rent? We haven't got the overhead to run a football ground. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not saying I'm not saying that we are, you know, we're in a good position because, you know, you no. still player salaries, you haven't got an income coming in. Um, so I think, you know, the ground's the most important thing, isn't it? You know what I mean? If you, if you look at um, the whole setup, now what would you change there at the moment? You know, it, you know, Dave Body has come in and I think he's done a fantastic job yeah. over the last two or three years in, in, in galvanising the club with communication. Mark Robbins, you, know, you can see that, anyone can see what the job he's done. So if the ground was was uh, situation was resolved, we'd all be very, very happy, wouldn't we? Yeah, of course. So, you know, and then that, that the, the ground, I'm not, you know, saying Cease are the best things since life bread, far from it. And, you know, they have made some big mistakes. And I think Joyce Apala would be the first to say that. But, you know, the ground bit was, was inherited. You know, Highfield yeah. was held by CISU. Um, you know, and I go back to the Common City Council and, you know, going back to what we said about, you know, um, being young lads being brought up by our, our parents to, to, to watch the games. I mean, I think Common City Council, you know, should make sure there's a football club in 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 the um, in the city, and you know why if someone took it over, you know, the city council would probably go and talk to us. Well, that's not their job, is it? You know, their their job is they're voted in by the by the people of Coventry. Electorate, yeah. You know, it's not about personalities or you know they don't like this person or not that person. They should be bending over backwards to make sure there's a there's a, a club in in Coventry, in Coventry really. Yeah, especially with the city of culture and and that's oh. you, you know things like that. It it, it does football and sport, whether we like it or yeah. not, is a huge part of a community um, and a huge part of a of a city. So you know, going back to your question about the five year plan, I think I think it is about um, you know the, the council. I think can can make this work, and and you know uh, I call them London Wasps. I think London Wasps were very fortunate and. Um, for when they got the club, um, yeah. but I think now they also have responsibility. Yeah, to to do something as well. As to Coventry, the three of the five year plan is dependent on on the ground, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's it's interesting you say that about the the sort of wasps as well because it feels like you know it's it's only so long you can sustain um, long term travel for 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 fans yeah. and they have got to encourage actually local local you know local people into into a sport that perhaps they've not watched, you know, um, and they've got a job to try and do. I know there's a lot of clash between sort of Cov rugby and I understand that and not trying to speak out of turn, but at the same time, yeah, you know, as a business sense, it would be in their business interest, wouldn't it? To encourage fans to, to sort of but become could, joint supporters of both, both clubs. But you go back to it, Dave, don't you? Look at, look at London Wasp coming. Why would you come to Coventry where you've got, in the, in, we've got a fantastic rugby club in Coventry rugby club. Mm. You know, over the years, you know, Rugby International, didn't they? I mean, yeah, yeah, twenty-five years ago. So, to me, why didn't I come back to the council? You know, why didn't they say we've got a you know, rugby club, a football club? You know, and make that into the Rico. You know, yeah, that's what and make it into a, a sports stadium for the people of Coventry. So, one week you go and watch a rugby club, and next week you watch a football club. You know, so to me. And then even freeze it down for the ice hockey team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, netball, netball, the whole thing. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, but, you know, you could have a whole thing. I just think they missed the, missed the beat with that, really. You know, and um, 
yeah, I think going back to your question, London Wasps have got a, a challenge because they've got to get a, a complete new fan base, haven't they? Yeah, of course. Um, and what's stopping them from a year or two years up up in roots and going back down to Brentford or back down to London? A precarious decision, a position for the council, really, isn't it? I just wondered if, um, with the current situation that we're in, obviously unprecedented times, whether you think that it kind of helps or hinders our our case of getting back and, you know, on one side of the fence, I feel like they might need us more than ever or or am I, is that just me being really hopeful that, that that's the I, case? I change my view on this every single day, I think. <laughs> you know, when you're at the moment, I think I think you, you play hardball, do you know what I mean? You play hardball and say, right, okay, um, you know, financially you're going to be worse off, as in uh, London Wasps, so you, you, you wait, you know, who blinks first wins or loses to a certain extent. Yeah, of course. So, but you'd hope that at the moment, because financial markets and sport, it's going to be different. I think they'll be different now, isn't it? If we can't do something now, then I think there's something wrong. Yeah, well, you say, I mean, you say who blinks first. I mean, we, what we do know about CISA is that they don't tend to no, no, sort of no. give in, do they? I mean, they, they're pretty hard-nosed. They'll, they'll yeah. sort of stick it out to the end. So if, yeah. if anyone's going to sort of give a little bit I think it's more likely to be wasps just from what I've seen anyway but you know it's a great point you made earlier though Rich about the ground situation and that after this um, we've not really seen anything like this before in terms of the, the you know the coronavirus and what issues and, and that's caused but yeah you've got a lot of football grounds sat there empty not doing anything at the moment um, but still need to be heated um, maintained yeah. looked after um, and, and you're right it, it may well change the landscape of, of football in the future we, we we are we could be in a good position and that's why we come back to negotiating um you know um i think there's but as i say i think i think if they're not if they're not talking now to say okay look we can resolve this um because you know the next year or two years will be difficult for everyone won't it you know if if we have to play behind closed doors or the restricted, there's restrictions in how many people can go in and watch sport, live sport. And we're all speculating. I don't know the answers to that. Yeah, exactly. But, but you know, if you if you were in charge of any of those, any any sporting club at the moment, you'd be looking at different ways you can you can raise income. Yeah, you know, exactly. If, if and monetize. Rico, you know, if 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 London Wasps only play twelve or thirteen or fourteen home games, don't they, in a year? Um, you've got to be looking and saying, okay, how can we how can we flip the rest of it? Because you know, I presume that you know the conferences they have there aren't going to be booked are they for the next six months or twelve months? No, exactly. And the hotels are, are hardly going to be. I know I've heard of a lot of staycations, but I can't see many people no. <laughs> taking no. on holidays in Coventry. No, no, exactly. So you know, I think I think, I, but I also think the pitch. You know, if I was doing anything, you, your pitch is the most important thing as well. I think, you know, the, the football we've played this season at St Andrews, you know, on that pitch has been fantastic. So, you know, my other reservation would be, yeah, we go back to the Rico, but if we're then playing on the same pitch, you know, um, and, you know, suddenly the brand of football can't be played, um, then I think that's the other thing that we, we, we've got to make sure is right, is the, it's the state of the pitch. Um, yeah, and then just going on to kind of um, more on the financial side, I think um, a podcast that me and Dave have been listening quite a lot is the uh, the price of football. Um, don't know if you've you've listened to it, but I definitely recommend it and to any of our listeners. But um, Kieran Maguire, um, who's the kind of football finance expert on there, he actually shared 
a kind of snippet from our accounts, which obviously came out probably a, um, a little few weeks ago now. Um, we just thought it'd be good to get your kind of perspective as, on that as a, a sort of business person, um, just to see, you know, what you, how you think the club is doing um, and whether, you know, financially we might be a bit healthier than we might have been in, in previous years. I think, I think we're healthier. I think, I think we made, was it 60 grand profit or just over 60 grand profit? So, yeah. you know, um, I think in the, in the current climate and what you're running on, you know, I think that's in a good position. I think obviously going to St Andrews, the crowd's going down. You know, obviously from from what the average crowd was down out of six thousand pound, would a knock on effect. But as I said earlier, really, I think football now is especially in the lower divisions. Unfortunately, it's about selling players, isn't it? And you know, if you look at our accounts, if we hadn't sold, you know, was it, was it McNulty, Bailey, yeah. uh, Chaplin, wasn't it? You know, we wouldn't have made that profit really. So, unfortunately bringing players through and and selling players on is, is part of what football clubs be about. So going back to your question about our finances, they are pivotal about spotting players early or, or picking players up that you can turn around really. And I think Mark Robbins understands that. And I think, as you said, the, the you know the backroom staff have have done a, a fantastic job, and they've obviously been together for a, a you know a lot a few seasons now, and and not having that chopping and changing of management has probably really yeah. helped that come on and and honed those players that have hopefully then will go on to reach their potential or or players that have reached their potential. But yeah, the players, I think the players appreciate that as well. The players look up to those staff as well, you know, and. It, it's like anything, isn't it? If you've, if you've got respect, you know, you don't have to be liked, do you? But if you're respected, you know, players will, will, will go the extra mile for you, won't they? You know, or any, any employee will go the extra mile for you if you, uh, you know, are given the time, coaching and everything. Really. So you can see that, I think. You can see that in, in, in the way players, players are playing um, and performing, really. So, um, no, it's important. It's, it's important that it's not just about the players, it's around the, play, the, the the management team around that as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and you mentioned about the time that you spent with Mark Robbins, um, you know, during your help and, and investment into the club. But what do you think of the job that he's doing at the moment? I probably can't say enough words about it, really. Um, I'm fantastic, biased, isn't it? Fantastic. He's is, is, is unbelievable. But I think he's, you know, and he's not just a football manager. I think he's looking at the whole club. You know what I mean? I'll give you examples of when we were, we were, we were choosing um, the floor he was actually involved in the colour of the floor. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, so Mark Robbins is an interior designer. Designer. That's, that's I mean, great. I'd, that's funny. I'd go in. I'd go Lawrence Bowen Robbins. Yeah, exactly. Come down. But, you know, he, was, he wanted, he's done much detail. You know, it, 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 it was amazing, really. Whereas, you know, other people wouldn't be bothered. They'd be out on the pitch. They wouldn't be there. But no, the, the amount of detail. So it's not just about what's happening on the football pitch. It's the whole club. You know what I mean? He's there. You know, I think he did a, presentation or talk didn't he he gets there at half seven in the morning you know and I think he's the first in there in the latter leave but it's the whole club really and I think you know we all know that other clubs will come in for him or have come in for him I think that's important really to, for him that you know he could go somewhere else where he just said well you're the football manager you have no input in the running of the club whereas with yeah. you know with, with Dave Boddy and Mark Robbins they work very very well together and you know, there's respect there. But as I say, he's, he's, he's sort of detail and you know, watching games. Um, I shouldn't say this, but I'll say it. So I spoke to him last week. I said, you know, did you watch the um, 
you know, Sunderland to your, to your die thing. He said, yeah. Why would I watch that? All I'm interested in is what my team are doing. I mean, he said it probably nicer than that, you know what I mean? And, you know, watching games and watching players, really. So yeah. he's just interested. He's just sort of, you know, is that going to help us win the league? No. I know what you're saying. He sort of focuses on anything that's going to give us that extra yard or that extra, yeah. you know, sort of edge in, in in the game. But it's really interesting about the sort of interior design, though, because it probably tells us more about him as a as a person. And if he's like that around the floor, then um, flooring of the new yeah, the new yeah. sort of changing rooms, then what's he like on the pitch and at training yeah, and, yeah. and getting the yeah. best out of the players? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, no, definitely. You, you can see that if you go to Wrighton. Well, I think you can see that in when he's been interviewed after a game. You know, what I mean, when when you listen to his interviews, you know, he, he it's not the same. It's not the same thing. He, he comes out every single week, doesn't he? He's a, you know, he said he. I think he says the same thing as you're thinking as a fan. You've watched that game and you're listening to him being interviewed, and I think you think the same thing as him majority of the time. And always talks about improvements as well. So even when yeah. we've sort of beat Wickham at four-one away, yeah. <laughs> he'll still say about something that perhaps could have gone better and no, uh, but without taking the credit. He's always trying to. He's always trying to improve, improve. You know, and um, that poor retention or passing the ball, and, and he's working tirelessly that as well. You know, with Adi Vivash with him as well, they work very well together as a team. I think. Yeah, I think that with A.D. Vivash, I think what's happened is he's, he's sort of allowed Robbins, like you say, to be more of a manager because yeah, you obviously yeah. get, you know, you get sort of co- you get coaches and you get managers. And like you say, Mark Robbins has become that sort of manager of the whole club, really, yeah. and galvanised, you know, the fans, the team, everything. Um, and and that's and Vivash has been more of that sort of on the pitch, you know, with the with the stop clock type sort of character. And they actually work really well as a duo. Well, I don't know the answer to this, but I think, you know, because Robbins played under Alex Ferguson, didn't he? We like it or not, was the best team manager, wasn't he? So he must have seen, you know, picked up some of this through Alex Ferguson, what he was doing as well. And he hasn't told me that. Um, you know, that's me presuming, but you, know, you, can, you can see that. He, he, I just think he's, 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 his detail is fantastic. And then, yeah, just kind of moving on to, to some of the, the highlights from this season. Um, just curious to know sort of who you're, your favourite players have been, who, who the key people have been for oh, you? And those are few, probably. Liam Walsh, I think, has just been immense. I mean, yeah, he, he came in when Kelly was injured. I think, wasn't it? When Kelly was injured, they brought him on loan, didn't they? Just as yeah. cover. You know, and, That's right, um, yeah. You know, he, he was whatever he came in, but I think he's come in and been immense. I think the back five, I think the keeper, I think the keeper has, I mean... He always gives me jitters when he's got the ball at his feet. I've told him that. But when he's got the ball at his feet, you, you panic, don't you? But I think, you know, the, the back five, he's given them confidence, the keeper. We had this conversation, actually, about, you know, in the last 10 years, 15 years, who would be the best goalkeeper, you know, because we've been bored through these last few weeks. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, Marco, Marco, I said, was, was better than Westwood to me. You know, I think he's, he's won us games this year. You yeah. Know, he's kept games. And I think the back three have been immense. And Dabo... You know, Sam Callum really, um, you know, have, have really come into their own. Certainly in the last 10 games, you know, where we haven't conceded goals. The trust, so, isn't it, of, of each player? Because I think they all trust each other. And, and I know you mentioned yeah. there about Marco Morosi, but I mean, his, his, his touch and his, his distribution has been just, you know, first class this season. But they all seem to trust each other. And, and with that becomes the ability to play out from the back and play nice football. 
Uh, Kelly, Kelly coming to get short of the ball. So I think they all know their roles, don't they? They all know their roles, don't they? In, in, you know, and also, I mean, the way he's done it with, with Shipley and Westbrook or O'Hare and Allen, do you know what I mean? He sort of, he doesn't play, either plays two, doesn't he, together? You know, it's quite a, um, a strange thing as well, isn't it? The, the works has been fantastic, really. So. Yeah, I think we've just been far more of a team, haven't we? That's the thing. Like, I think if we'd have asked yeah. you that question yeah. over the last 10 years, there probably would have been like one, maybe two players that would have stamped, stood out like, you know, like your Madisons and people like that. But yeah. this year, you know, yeah. like we've just asked you, you start to about the midfield, then you go across the whole back five, then you talk about the keeper. And it's like, actually, like the whole yeah. team is yeah. just good together. Yeah. There's no sort of one player who is the best player in the team. Right, yeah. They all just work well yeah. together, which is nice to see. And it's a bit shame, really, I think, because you've only had 6,000 fans going to St Andrews that people have missed out on it. Yeah, of course. And and during that, that time, Rich, there's been some absolutely fantastic goals. We had BMU's goal away at Peterborough. Um, we also had the yeah. Walsh uh, amazing run. What's been the, the best goal of the season for you so far? Um, I've got to say Matty Gordon at Wickham, the uh, hat-trick goal. Which yeah. Was, um, I think that was a great goal. The, the movement. It was a great. I think. The, I think just. I think that was our first away win, wasn't it? Four one. I think the whole and it was. It was Christmas. I think we were all hungover still. Um, but I think that was a fantastic goal. Yeah, the build up. Um, um, I think Walsh. Uh, was it Wimbledon uh, where he dribbled through? Uh, that that was a great goal. Yeah. So, but I think. I think, um, I think the the Matty Gordon hat trick goal because it's a hat trick. I think we we've been promising that. Performance, haven't we, all season? The Wickham game. The Wickham game. So I think uh, the, the Matty Godden. Perfect. And um, that's, that's pretty much um, all we've got time for this evening. Thank you ever so much for coming on to the Sky Blues Extra podcast, Rich. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I think on behalf of, you know, all of the Coventry City fans out there and our listeners, thank you so much, you know, for the investment that you've shown and the ability to improve the academy and improve the facilities and improve that that situation and the playing situation for those staff. And and hopefully that you'll be rewarded with some, you know, players that come through the ranks and have used that sort of training ground. And, and hopefully it's some more revenues for, for the club. And thank you for, for coming on this evening. No, thank you very much. And I'm welcome to you as well, the job you're doing as well, you know, because um, some great podcasts before players, as you said, are really so, you know, to you guys as well, keep it going because you're integral you know, and keeping us updated and um, some great information you're providing for us as well. But thank you as well. And uh, as we say, Sky Blues Extra listeners, you can join in with the conversation on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. All you need to do is use the hashtag Sky Blues Extra podcast. Get your questions in. And, and like Rich said there, we hope that you're enjoying our podcast during this unprecedented times. And we'll be back again soon. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.